merciful and gracious God. I bow my head, Father, acknowledging you as the great God, acknowledging you as the creator of all things and the sustainer and the redeemer, Father. I pray, Father, that after this study, we as your people will be even more humble towards you, that we will learn the lessons that Jesus wants us to learn from the parable we're going to study. Father, help us. Help us, Father, be the kind of people that your son has called us to be. Help us have humble hearts, hearts to understand just how big you are and how small and feeble we are. Father, let us always lean on you and always be thankful for your grace and mercy and forgiveness. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good evening, dear friends. Good evening. Thank you for being here to study the Word of God with me through this through this video, this online video, we are continuing to make our way through a series of lessons about the parables of Jesus. We are studying the parables of Jesus because our theme this year at the Monta Vista Church of Christ in Phoenix, Arizona is built upon Jesus. It is actually called Experiencing the fullness of Christ. We're trying to learn more about Jesus, draw closer to Jesus, become more like Jesus. And what better way for us to do that than by studying the teachings and the parables of Jesus? You know, one of the characteristics, one of the characteristics that every disciple must possess is the characteristic of humility. Every Christian, every disciple, every member of the Lord's body must possess the characteristic of humility. In James chapter 4 and verse number 6, James, the Lord's half-brother, he wrote these inspired words. He says that God gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Notice how the proud do not receive favor from God. Only those who are humble receive God's favor. Only they receive God's blessing and a relationship with him. In verse number 10 of this same chapter, James goes on to say, he goes on to admonish us to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will he will exalt you. Notice how will we humble ourselves before God. God will exalt us. James says, let God exalt you and do not exalt yourself. We move on to the teachings of the Apostle Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6, Peter says to the people of God, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he, that he may act exalt you at the proper time. Notice how Peter is essentially saying the same thing that James says in James chapter 4 and verse number 10. We move on to the teachings of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3 and verse 12, so as those who had been chosen of God, and that is us as Christians, were God's people, were chosen of God, were God's elect, holy and beloved, Paul says, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Notice how Paul says that one of the things that Christians need to put on, one of the things that we need to dress ourselves in or clothe ourselves in is the characteristic of humility. Paul goes on to talk about this further in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. In Philippians 2 and verse 3, Paul says, Do nothing from selfishness. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, notice. But with humility of mind, regard one another. It's more important than yourselves. Do we do that? Do we regard one another as more important than ourselves? Or do we solely focus on ourselves? Paul says, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude or this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, how over and over and over again in the New Testament, the writers urge us, they admonish us, they tell us, that humility, to understand that humility is important. Humility is important. It's important to God. It's important to the Heavenly Father. It's important to Jesus. In fact, Jesus emphasizes the importance of humility in many of his parables. Many of the parables of Jesus deal with the issue of humility. We're going to look at one of those parables this evening in this class, and, and this parable is found in, in Luke, the 18th chapter. Will you go in your Bible, please, to Luke, the 18th chapter? Go in your Bible to Luke, chapter 18. If you remember, in our last class, we studied several verses from Luke, chapter 18. We actually studied the parable of the persistent widow. Remember that? We studied the parable of the persistent widow. If you have not yet seen that video, I want to urge you to please go, go check it out uh, when you have some time. It's an interesting parable. It is a parable that is about prayer. Specifically, it is about the need to have persistence when we pray. From the parable of the persistent widow, we see that when we are persistent in our request and appeals to God, he will reward that. He will bless those who trust him and, and lean on him and have persistence when they pray. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells a parable that is designed to talk about the persistence, the need to be persistent when we pray. Now, that's just one parable of, of several or at least two that we find here in this chapter. Look at Luke chapter 18, Luke 18 and verse 9. Now, we studied the parable of the persistent widow in verses 1 through 8. Now, look at what the Bible says beginning with verse number 9. Are you there? Luke 18, 9. It says, and he also told this parable. This is another parable. 
that's found in this chapter. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. He says two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he could touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in at all. This is the parable that I want to study this evening in our lesson. This parable is called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the setting, and remember, whenever studying a parable of Jesus, it's always important to remember that all of his parables are found in a very specific context. They are found in a historical setting. The setting of this parable is laid out to us in verse number 9. In verse number 9, the Bible says that Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They viewed themselves as righteous and they viewed others with contempt. Question, who are these people? Who are these people that Luke is speaking of in the text? Who are these people who trusted in themselves as righteous and they looked down on other people. They viewed other people with contempt. Who are these people? Well, my dear friends, these people here, these people who viewed themselves as so righteous, these would be, be people like the religious leaders, many of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. These would be the people like the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, the men who appeared to be so holy and so knowledgeable among the Jewish people. Here in this parable, Jesus is taking a shot at the Pharisees. He's going to tell a parable that is directed at exposing the inner corruptness and wickedness of the Pharisees. In fact, he even uses a Pharisee as an example of how not to be in the parable. Those who viewed others with contempt and viewed themselves as so righteous, 
These were men like the Pharisees, and Jesus is going to direct this parable at exposing their inner corruptness. He's even going to use a Pharisee as an example of how not to be. And so, look back at the text. Look back at the text. Verse number 10. Verse 10 of the parable, Jesus talks about two men. The two men who, even though one is a Pharisee, one is a religious leader among the Jewish people, one was viewed in high regard by the Jewish people, and the other was a tax collector. These men are different as far as their professions go and even how people view them in society but they have some similarities. I want you to notice some of their similarities. First, we need to understand that one of the things they have in common is it appears that both of them are Jews. This is not a Jew and a Gentile. These are men who are Jews. One's a Pharisee, one's a tax collector, but they're both Jews. They're both the physical descendants of Abraham. They also both appear to be very religious. I mean, notice, they are both going into the temple. They are both going to pray. They believe in God, obviously. They're religious men, and they thoroughly have some temple privileges. Jesus says in verse number 10 that both of them went into the temple. They have temple privileges, and they're worshipers of God. I mean, you go to the temple to worship. That's why they're there. They're there to worship Jehovah. They're there to worship God. They're there to pray to God. That's another thing they have in common. Both of these men believe in prayer. They believe in God. They believe in the need to worship God. They believe in, in, in the temple, in the presence of God at the temple. They believe in prayer. Both of these men are praying to God. They have many similarities, but they also have several differences. Again, going back to what Jesus says, Jesus says that one was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. That is a huge difference. That is especially a huge difference when you think about how the Jews would have viewed each of these men. You see, the vast majority of Jews would have had way more respect for the Pharisee than they did the tax collector. You see, among the Jewish people 2,000 years ago, the Pharisee would have been viewed as a holy man. He would have been viewed as a man of God. He would have been viewed as someone who knew the scriptures, who taught the scriptures, who was a true worshiper of God. He would have been viewed as someone who had a close relationship with God. Most Jews would have looked at the Pharisee with a lot of respect and they would have looked at the tax collector with disdain. Remember, and we've made this point in other videos that during this time, 2,000 years ago, in Judea, during the time of the Roman Empire, most Jews did not have a lot of respect for tax collectors, even if the tax collectors were Jewish. During this time, most tax collectors were viewed as corrupt and dishonest men. They were viewed as men who would overcharge the citizens of the Roman Empire and pocket the extra money. 
They were viewed as corrupt, dishonest men. Most Jews did not have respect for, for tax collectors. And if they knew of tax collectors who were Jewish, they would have viewed those men even, even worse because they would have viewed them as traitors. They would have viewed them as men who were in allegiance with the corrupt Roman Empire. And so one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. One would have been viewed in a positive way by the Jews and the other would have been viewed in a negative way. You have a clear contrast between these two men. One is a religious Pharisee, the other is a tax collector. One also belonged, quote unquote, belonged in the temple and the other, at least in the eyes of the Jews, did not. In the eyes of the Jews, the Pharisee, he belonged in the temple. He belonged in this place where God is to be worshipped, but the tax collector, he didn't need to, to, to be 50 miles close to this temple. He had no business in the temple because in their eyes, he was a corrupt man. What business would he have had? in the presence of God. One belonged in the temple in the eyes of the Jews and the other did not. And one knew the scriptures. He even wore the scriptures on his phylactery, but the other, at least in the eyes of the Jews, he would have known the scriptures. He would not have been an expert and a great student of the scripture like the Pharisee. One was a great student of the Bible, the other was not, and one was viewed as very religious, the Pharisee. He was a very religious man, but the other was viewed as unworthy. He was unworthy of being in the temple. He was unworthy of being in the presence of religious Jews. He was unworthy of anything good because he was a tax collector. One was very religious and one was viewed as unworthy, at least in the eyes of the Jewish people. But Jesus also says that when you contrast these two men, one prayed in a manner that was pleasing to God, and that was the tax collector, and the other, the Pharisee, the religious man who knew the scriptures so well, who wore the phylacteries with the scriptures on them, his prayer did not please God. His prayer did not bring glory to God. It is here where Jesus says something that is very radical. When you look at these two men on the surface, you would think initially that it would be the Pharisee who would say a prayer that was pleasing to God, but at the conclusion of the parable, he is not the man who pleases God with his prayer. Instead, it is the tax collector. It is the man that most Jews would have looked down upon. He's the man who pleases God with his prayer while the Pharisee did not. The Pharisee did not please God with his prayer, even though on the surface he certainly looked like a man of God. The question is, why didn't the Pharisee please God with his prayer and why did the tax collector do the opposite? Why did he, of all people, pray a prayer that was pleasing to the Lord? Well, let's start with the Pharisee because that's where Jesus starts. Jesus says, Jesus says that the reason why the Pharisee failed to please and glorify God with his prayer 
is was because with his prayer, he had a, a very arrogant spirit. He prayed a very proud prayer. When he prayed to God, he, he, he bragged about his spiritual resume to God. Notice again in verses 11 through 12, when praying to God, the Pharisees said things like, well, God, I am thankful. I am thankful that I'm such a good man. I'm thankful that I'm such a religious man. I'm thankful that I'm not like all these other heathen people in the world. I'm not like the swindlers. I'm not like the unjust. I'm not like the adulterers or even like this tax collector who's also here at the temple. He doesn't need to be here. I'm not like him over there who's also praying to you. I'm not a corrupt, dishonest man like that. You see, unlike that man, I know the scriptures. I come to the temple regularly. I fast. I pay my tithes. I, I give my my, my 10%, the 10% of my blessings to you. I pay my tithes. I fast. I, I worship you. I know your word. I study your word. I wear your word on my garments. You see, this Pharisee is clearly an arrogant man. He's clearly someone who's boasting. His spiritual resume, he's listing before God all the things that he has done in the service of God. He's a boastful, proud, arrogant man. And his attitude is contrasted with the tax collector. If you remember in the parable of the good Samaritan, the Samaritan of all people was the good guy in the story. The guy that most Jews would have viewed as the bad guy. He was the good guy, and the same thing is going on here. The guy that the Jews would have viewed as the bad guy, he's actually the good guy in the story, and the guy that the Jews would have thought would have been the good guy, he, he's the bad guy. The Pharisee is the bad guy. He's the boastful, arrogant man that, mind you, was even more prone to reject Jesus while he was on the earth. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, more of them rejected Jesus than people like the tax collectors. You see, whereas the Pharisee found favor with the people, the tax collector found favor with God. He found favor with the Lord. He found favor with the Lord ultimately because he had a humble heart. He had a meek heart. He had a heart of humility. He understood just how little he was before the eyes of God. He understood that. And I think we see that clearly when we study his prayer. Look at his prayer. Notice how the Bible says that unlike the Pharisee, when the tax collector went into the temple to pray, he stood some distance away. He didn't feel he was worthy to be in the presence of God. He didn't feel he was worthy to lift his voice to God. He stood some distance away. I think Jesus puts that in the parable to acknowledge this man's humility 
He also acknowledges it by saying that this man was so humble that he was unwilling to even lift his eyes to heaven. He viewed himself as unworthy to even look towards heaven. He stood some distance away. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven because he understood just how big and wonderful and holy God is and how little and small and feeble and unholy he was in the presence of God. He wouldn't look towards the throne of God. Instead, he beat his breast. He beat his breast in humility and he said, God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me, the sinner. Notice how this man, he asked, he begged for the mercy of God. He begged for the forgiveness of God. He begged that God would pardon him because he was a sinful man. He acknowledged that he was a sinner. Do you see that? Did the Pharisee do that? No, the Pharisee didn't do that. The Pharisee did not acknowledge his sins before God. Instead, he, he lists off his spiritual resume. He lists off all the things he says he, he did that was good in the service of God. This man, he comes to God, this tax collector, he comes to God with humility. He beats his breast. He says, God, have mercy on me. He, he acknowledges that he's a sinner. Jesus says, unlike the Pharisee, this man was humble. He came to God in humility, and because of his humility, you know what he found? He found something that the Pharisee did not find. He found, he found favor with God. He found justification. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the this man, there's a reference to the tax collector. This man went to his house justified rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee. Because of his humility, he received God's forgiveness. He was justified before God because he knew how to humble himself before God. You see, in this parable, and listen carefully, you have two men. You have two men who are totally different from each other. And on the surface, one finds favor with the people and the other does not, but when you look at the heart. And remember, God looks at the heart. God can see what a person is really all about by going into their heart. And when God looked at the heart, he saw that the tax collector had the heart that he was pleased with while the Pharisee did not. The Pharisee may have looked the part, but his heart was arrogant. His heart was prideful, and he didn't find favor with God. But the tax collector, while the people did not like him, he found favor with God because he had a heart that pleased God. He had a humble heart. That's why he was justified. And so what, what are some lessons we can learn from a parable like this? Why did Jesus teach this, this parable? Well, can I give you a few lessons, just a few lessons to take home and to think about and to talk about uh, tonight uh, with your family? First, from this parable, I think we see something about the sin of self-righteousness. The sin of self-righteousness. You know, so often when, when, when talking about sin and listing sins, we'll shoot off 
adultery, which is clearly a sin, murder, lying, thievery, disobeying your parents. We'll even mention things like covetousness, greed, forsaking, worshiping God. I mean, these are all things that are clear violations of the word of God, but rarely do I at least ever hear anybody talk about the sin of self-righteousness. The sin of self-righteousness, according to what Jesus is teaching in this parable, it is a sin to be self-righteous. It is a sin to have a prideful spirit. It is a sin to compare yourself to other people and say, I'm much better than those people because I do this and I do this and I do this. I go to church every Sunday. I pray three times a day. I read my Bible every day. I invite people to services. I'm faithful to my spouse. You see, so often, so often we can fall into the trap if we're not careful of comparing ourselves to other people and viewing ourselves as so righteous because we're not involved in the stuff that we see other people involved in, and we fail to see that when we do the will of God, when we do things that the Bible says and stay away from things that are unholy, we don't, we're not earning our way to heaven. We're not earning the gift of salvation. Instead, we're only doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're obeying God. We're showing God that we love him by keeping his commandments. We don't deserve some spiritual gold star for that. We're not earning our way to heaven or earning our salvation when we just obey God. Instead, when we do that, we're just engaging in the sin of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. You see, this Pharisee, this Pharisee here in Luke 18, he was a self-righteous man. When I say self-righteous, I mean that he was somebody who focused on himself more than he focused on God. He focused more on his good works than he did on the grace of God. In fact, in his prayer, he mentions the word I at least five times. Notice what he says. Verse 11, I thank God or I thank you, God. That I am not like the other people. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. This man says the word I at least five times in two verses. It's all me, me, me. Look at what I have done. I deserve to be in your presence. I'm a good person because I do this and I do that and I do that. This man is self-righteous. He's acting as though he deserves the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm going to just be frank with you. These kind of people, these kind of people don't find favor with God. These kind of people do not go to heaven. They don't go to heaven, not just because I say so, but more importantly, because Jesus said so. Jesus says that this man didn't go home justified with that kind of attitude. And so let's avoid that. Let's avoid the sin of self-righteousness. Let's always remember that when we obey God, we're just doing what we're supposed to do. We're not earning our salvation. We're not earning our way to heaven. We're just showing God that we love him by being obedient to him. We're doing exactly what we're supposed to do as servants and slaves of righteousness. 
We learn about the sin of self-righteousness in this parable, and we also learn about the blessing of humility. You see, unlike the tax collector, or unlike the Pharisee, I'm sorry, the tax collector was a humble man. He was a very humble man. He was someone who acknowledged his sins and he cried out to God for mercy. He understood that he could not be justified and saved without the mercy of God. He didn't go to God listing all the good that he had done. He didn't go to God saying, well, I thank God that I'm not like this person or that person because I've done this this or that. Instead, he went to God with humility. He cried to God. He humbled himself before God. He acknowledged just how big God was compared to him. And because of that, he found favor with God. He was able to leave, leave justified. Look back at verse 14. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, he went to his house justified rather than the other. Now watch this part. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, when I read that verse, I can't help but be reminded of a few people in the Bible. First, I can't help but be reminded of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar and what happened to him in Daniel 4? Remember in Daniel chapter 4, we can read about the time when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was standing on the roof of his palace, and he said, he looked at his kingdom, and he said, look at what I have accomplished all by myself. Look at how great I have made my kingdom all by myself. He said that he was the source of the greatness of Babylon, he refused to give God the glory, and because of that, God punished him. God made it so that he had his kingdom taken from him for a time. God made it so that he lost his mind for a time. God made it so that he started looking like an animal, thinking like an animal, acting like an animal, even eating grass like an animal. God brought this man low because of his pride. He exalted himself, and so God humbled him. But you contrast that with somebody like King David, who after committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her husband, after Nathan the prophet exposed David's sin in the book of 2 Samuel, the Bible says that David didn't argue with Nathan, he didn't come up with a bunch of excuses. He didn't even have Nathan killed. Instead, he said, I've sinned. I've done wrong. He humbled himself. He acknowledged his sin, and he received God's forgiveness. Now, that didn't mean that he wouldn't suffer some physical consequences for what he had done. No, no, he, he experienced some physical consequences, but he did receive God's forgiveness. His humility led him to justification in the eyes of God. David himself acknowledges or shows his humility towards God after this sin was exposed in, in the 51st Psalm. So he's an example of someone who humbled himself before God and God exalted him. And then think about what Jesus talks about further 
in verses 15 through 17, going back to Luke 18. Go back to Luke 18, and in verses 15 through 17, we find some children, some babies, some small children being brought to Jesus. Small children are brought to Jesus. And we need to understand that at this time, children were viewed very differently than they're viewed in our society today. You see, during this time, now this is just a, a fact here, during this time, both women and children were viewed by most people, especially most in Jewish society, as the lowest of society. Women and children were viewed this way. Women were not even allowed to testify in court because their testimony was, was viewed as untrustworthy. That is how the world operated in the time of first century Israel, and that is why the gospel is just so amazing and so wonderful because in Galatians 3, Paul says that under, under the new covenant, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ. God makes no distinction between male and female in his kingdom. That's very different than how the Jews operated in their time. As far as women and children go, they were the lowest part of society in the first century. That's just a fact. And that explains why the disciples rebuked the people who brought these children to Jesus. Children were viewed as low parts of society, and the disciples are, are demonstrating that. They're rebuking people for bringing children to Jesus. But Jesus stops them. And he calls the children unto himself, and he says, Permit them to come to me. Don't hinder them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What does he mean? Well, in the context, he means that because of the humility of a child, because of the lack of self-righteousness, because of their innocence, because of their, of their lack of pride, if we're going to be saved, then we got to become like them. It is the children who find favor with God because of their humility. And so often we don't because of pride. And Jesus says in verse 17 that if we don't become like them, if we don't become innocent and humble like a child, we won't enter into the kingdom of God. This parable teaches us some lessons about humility. It's the humble who find favor with God. And then a final lesson I want to share with you is this. From this parable, we learn some things about God's mercy. Remember, because of his humility, the tax collector received God's mercy. He may have been an outcast in his society, but he was exalted by God. He found favor with God because of his humility, and, and we can find that as well. We can also find God's mercy if we allow him to exalt us and if we make sure that we never exalt ourselves. Jesus says in verse 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. One of the keys to receiving God's mercy is humility. God gives mercy to the humble. And he turns his face against the, pride, the prideful. And so going back to verse number nine of the chapter. Remember, Jesus is speaking to those who are righteous, self-righteous, and they viewed others with contempt. When it comes to 
people like that, Jesus is saying through this parable, don't be like them. Don't do that. Don't be like many of the Pharisees in his time. Humble yourself before God. Trust God. Understand just how small and feeble you are before God and let him exalt you. When you let God exalt you at the proper time, you will be blessed. You'll never go wrong and you'll never regret it. And so the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's a parable about the need to be humility, to have humility, not just when we pray, but at all times. That's our study this evening. And our next one, we're going to stay in the book of Luke. Luke has so many wonderful parables. We're going to study another parable in the gospel of Luke. And I hope you'll join me for that on the Lord's day. May God bless you. May God keep you. I certainly hope and pray that these studies have been an encouragement to you and to your family.